We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers, who are known as a little brother in their city of Los Angeles. And while the Knicks may be big brother here in the Big Apple, we're going to open the show talking to Adam Osland of uh, 5790 uh, AM in Los Angeles. He does the pre, half, and post-game shows for the Clippers during games. He also is a co-host of the Clips and Dip podcast, a tremendous podcast name. Uh, We're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about the little brother here in New York and what happened yesterday. The trade request heard around the world, whether the Clippers might have any interest and whether Clipper fans might have any interest. Um, If you missed it, John and I were in emergency podcast mode because we recorded a Patreon podcast ironically enough said that we think Brooklyn probably is the most stable thing that we'd bet on to win a championship. And within two hours, maybe even less Kyrie Irving had requested a trade from Brooklyn that took away all of that stability. At least for now, maybe they don't trade him. We'll see. But having said that, really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I learned a lot about the Clippers and What's going on this season with their two big guns, the load management Kings, although one is coming off an ACL injury, one is dealing with a hamstring injury and what the Clippers might specifically need this season, especially with six gates at this point, five days left to go until the deadline. And then I was able to relate to him because while I am a Knicks fan and there's no uh, mistake of who the number one team in this city is, I am also a Mets fan. And while I do think the Mets can take over New York when they're good, I am fully aware that this is still a Yankee city first and foremost, and I'm able to relate to a Clippers fan that uh, plays in the same city or at least lives in the same city of a beacon and an example of excellence in the respective sport that they root for. So a lot of good stuff in this conversation that you're about to hear. Thanks again to Adam for coming on. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Adam Osland of 570 AM Los Angeles and the Clips and Dip podcast. Enjoy. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks taking on the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday nights. I went all the way to the West Coast 
uh, to get the host of the pre-half and post-game show on AM570 in Los Angeles. He is also one of the co-hosts of the Clips and Dip podcast. You guys all know how much I love when podcasts understand the assignment when naming themselves. And oh boy, is this one of them. Uh, welcome to the next Film School podcast. Adam Osland. Adam, thank you for joining me. Andrew, I appreciate it, man. We even have a graphic with a clipper ship going into a bowl of guacamole. So the clips and dip, we're taking that it is, all the way. That is amazing. Guacamole, <laughs> that mm, you really did understand the assignment. The guac <laughs> LA connection. I experienced it last summer. I well, last winter, I should say, and all the different places to to go to your guac shops is as well. I'm a little flustered, and I'm sure you are a little bit as well, because in coordinating this podcast today, um, I should mention, we're recording on Friday at 5 p.m. my time, 2 p.m. your time. And uh, a little over four hours ago, Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the little brother across the river from me. So Mm. um, we'll start here. Just your reaction to the news and whether or not you have intrigue for the Clippers. Well, I was shocked like anyone just because of the timing of it. But then when you unpack it and you realize it's Kyrie Irving and pretty much anything could happen, that Woj bomb or Sham Sharania missile, whoever got it first or Chris Haynes, uh, it's not as surprising. But with just six days before the trade deadline, this puts so much pressure on the Brooklyn Nets to have to make maybe a rash decision. They could call us bluff. They could say, we don't think anyone's giving you a max contract this upcoming summer because, well, you missed two weeks unexpectedly a couple of years ago with this team. Then you couldn't play home home games because you weren't vaccinated. And then the anti-Semitic video that he reposted Kyrie has as much baggage, of course, as pretty much any professional athlete out there. And there is some question whether or not basketball is his number one priority. So any team's taking a risk. The other side of it, though, is if you think it brings you and puts you over the top, especially in the West right now where no team, and I know the Denver Nuggets have separated themselves a little bit here, but I don't think any team feels like there's a 65-70 win team that you have to overcome just a dominant Golden State Warriors type of team to come out of the West. So it's going to be tantalizing. It's going to be interesting. And you know, Kyrie Irving may be on his best behavior when you bring him in because he wants that new contract. As much as I don't think anyone's giving him the max, he's going to want something this offseason. So regarding the Clippers, look, I think everything's on the table right now. They just lost a 21-point lead to the Milwaukee Bucks last night, and they've never really kicked in full gear so far this season. Part of that is because of injuries. Part of that is because they almost have too much talent and too much depth in some ways. It's a blessing and a curse. Coming into the season, we thought, okay, who's going to stop this team even without Kawhi and Paul George there? Certain nights, we know that's going to happen. They're going to have guys stepping up. But they've had to kind of shuffle so many lineups and rotations, they've never really caught a rhythm. They're three games above 500, And you're in a tenuous spot there because you're just a game and a half up, I think, of being in the play-in tournament in the West. This is a team with championship expectations. And I do think it's championship or bust right now because this is year four of the 2-1-3 connection with Kawhi and Paul George. And while they may have won it two years ago, if Kawhi doesn't go down with the ACL tear, 
doesn't matter now. They have to win this season. I think coming into it, you know, they were one of the favorites. So would I be shocked if they went after Kyrie? No, they do have a lot of assets, including a 2028 first round pick that they could use. But they have, and Clipper Nation has been talking about this all season long, an opportunity to consolidate some of that talent in a trade to bring in a little bit more high-end talent to pair next to Kawhi and Paul George. So Kyrie Irving right now, I know a lot of teams are going to be calling about him, but also, and we just saw this from Adrian Wojnarowski a little bit ago, teams are going to wonder about Kevin Durant. Is that the next shoe to drop? Because he already wanted out earlier in the season. They didn't blink. They didn't do anything about it. But if Kyrie is leaving, what is what's going to happen with Kevin Durant? And that's the guy that everybody, of course, you know, he doesn't have the same issues off the court and the baggage that Kyrie has. Yeah, you you mentioned how uh, how wide open, but also how stuck together the Western Conference is. Because yeah. while, like you said, Denver's separated themselves, I feel like this is the reputation they're going to have until they actually do get to the finals because they've only made it to the conference finals once and that was in Disney World. Um, I understand, and it's where we've discussed it in the same way in some of our non-Knicks content stuff, that like the Clippers, the Lakers, Dallas, um, Golden State, Phoenix, like all of these teams that might have had similar expectations, they should be considering it, but there may be other ways to improve the roster in what is a wide open Western conference. Um, yeah, I'm obviously it's a local story for me. So it's, it's a fascinating uh, uh, thing to pay attention to as far as the small, but still existing fan base for the Nets in Brooklyn and how they're going to react to the, the latest uh, edition of this saga of Katie and Kyrie in Brooklyn. Um, but then as far as uh, looking at the national st- side of things, I also don't see a fit necessarily for, for him and the Clippers. So it's interesting to hear that. Um, you mentioned yeah, that- I, I oh, just, their front office, you yeah. know, they have surprised us over the season, starting when they pulled in Kawhi and Paul George at the same time when everybody thought, oh, Kawhi is going to be end up being a Laker. They kind of work in stealth. Like yeah. anything that's leaked is typically questioned because they don't talk from their side. It's very rare. But I would say out of the teams, and the philosophy kind of has to be with Kyrie, what risk do you have if you're the Lakers? You're probably not a contender right now. You might as well go for it. He's played with LeBron James, obviously, and won a championship before. And then the other team I'd look out for, if the Clippers were saying don't make as much sense, well, the Dallas Mavericks. They need to pair Luka with a legit number two. I've said for a while, God help the league if Luka Doncic gets a top 10 talent next to him. If you're Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks, I got to think they're going to offer the most because it's not often, especially on a team that's contending right now in the Brooklyn Nets, you get a guy that wants out at this level that can be had for less money because of the questions regarding him off the court and just whether or not he's going to be reliable for you. But if you're Dallas and Spencer Dinwiddie's not going to be the number two next to Luka winning a championship, uh, Chris Daps-Porzingis wasn't working out, Jalen Brunson goes to you guys in New York, They have to do something. So I think it's worth the risk for them. It's worth the risk for the Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe not for somebody like the Clippers. We'll see. Yeah, the comp I used as far as Dallas is concerned because he's a free agent at the end of this season. So you don't know if you want to go all in for the future um, being so uncertain. The comp I used, I mean, you know this very well, is Kawhi 
you have to operate like Masai and how you traded for Kawhi and you just roll the dice, try and win a title. And if he walks, he walks. And you have to wonder if that's the calculation Cuban and co are and Nico over in a, in Dallas or China to make right now is do we go all in, take the chance Kyrie walks, but at least maximize this wide open opportunity with Luca in the, in the Western conference. Um, it'll be fascinating to see play out. Um, I have a, a clarification question. Okay. Um, so this is going to be my New York ignorance. You called Kawhi and PG Paul, Paul George, the two, one, three connection. If you, what does that mean? Okay. That's the area code for long beach, I believe, but also Kawhi wears two Paul George wears 13. It's so that two simple. and 13. I understood, but I didn't realize that's the area code for long beach. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. So if, if the heat had a, a player whose number was three or 30 and then the other player was five. It could be the three Oh five connection because they play in South beach. Okay. That there you way. go. There you go. Okay. It's something Snoop Dogg, I think says a lot from long beach two uh, one three. All okay. of that. So, uh, and know, they're I, both from Southern California originally. Right. Right. So the, the Kawhi I know is like from long beach, right? Like that is his, his, his origins. Monrovia, I believe and Paul George's Palmdale. Okay. This I is, think. Again. But Kawhi also loves San Diego where he went to college. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's also well, the California stuff. I mean, as we get into the Clippers and how this season is gone, like as from afar, like I see the on off numbers. I see Kawhi is a, as a plus 15 when he's playing. Paul George is a plus 13 and a half when he's playing. So it's as advertised when they're playing, but those three words I just mentioned when they're playing. I'm sure have caused some consternation and led to the 29 and 26 record. How are the vibes right now in Clipperland with, with how this season has gone and specifically the availability of those two players this season? That is a great key word. Clipper Nation likes to use, where are the vibes right now? How's everybody feeling? Is Reggie Jackson dancing on the floor? You know, it's they just won six of seven. Mm-hmm. But then they have a game that's almost kind of a throwaway in Cleveland where six guys are out, including Kawhi and Paul George. They get beat up on by the Cavaliers. They come back. They win against Chicago late and kind of held off uh, a little bit of a run by the Bulls at the end because Kawhi Leonard has just been otherworldly in the month of January. You know, his last 11 games coming in to that loss against Milwaukee last night, it was the first time in his career during an 11-game stretch during the regular season where he scored 24 more in 11 straight games. And that says a lot. Kawhi is a top 75 player of all time, and you can make the argument he just had one of the best months of his career coming off the ACL tear. So the most encouraging thing so far this season for the Clippers, the most important thing long-term for them winning a championship is the health and wellness of Kawhi Leonard in that right knee. And he's looked amazing. He looks at worst 95% of the way back, but I think he's just about there. And this is somebody who came back from a significant injury after San Antonio and became even better. It's weird, but they talk about him as the Terminator and a robot. You can rebuild him. You can make him stronger. Kawhi is that one guy that somehow gets injured and gets better. It's, it's wild. But he didn't have a great game against Milwaukee. And that was tough because Clippers fans had just seen this a few weeks ago when they lost six straight. And that was really unexpected for a team with championship expectations. I don't think a championship ball club has ever lost seven straight and gone on to win that season. So everybody was looking at that number. It stopped at six, but they had a game in Philly where they were up by 20 and they were dominating. 
and they let go of the rope and they didn't find a way to hold on and win that one. Now it's Joel Embiid and James Harden. They were both playing, but you're up by 20 and you're a championship contender. You got to find a way to win. Last night, they're up by 21 with seven minutes left in the third quarter. Giannis goes for 54, but the Clippers really gave that one away. And it was Paul George and Kawhi Leonard down the stretch. Last four minutes, they go all of eight. And the Clippers didn't score in the last three minutes and 51 seconds. And they've had these lulls in their offense during the 2-1-3 era. And that's why everybody brings up, do they need a traditional point guard? That's who Kawhi has won next to before. Did they need somebody to smooth out the kinks in the offense? And we've just seen them go into these funks offensively, but obviously the timing of it last night on national television and Kawhi and PG had a couple of shots where they missed everything. It gets a lot of attention. So as much as we thought they were turning the corner, their offense looked much better. They had one six of seven. They bounced back after the throwaway game against Cleveland, against Chicago. Then they have a game last night where it looks like they're about to make a statement and they give it away once again. So I think uh, Clipper Nation is a little bit uncertain with how to feel about this team. I've said all year long, when people ask me their identity, consistently inconsistent. And a lot of that is because of who's there on the floor. But also, at times, uh, I don't know if it's an effort thing or more of just an execution thing, but they go in and out of playing high-level basketball quarter to quarter, possession to possession sometimes. So it's a hard team to get a read on. So it's funny you mentioned the the offense and the the consistently inconsistent uh play that you're getting. Um I to prep for this, I rewatched the a lot of the uh the Milwaukee game that you're referring to. And like granted the Knicks do not have the the ceiling of players that Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard are, but Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, they have similar tendencies in the sense that the end of game offense really turns into your turn, my turn. And like watching the Clippers last night, and I think this is just kind of like an issue with all fan bases, but I've noticed it with Knicks fans is that they're begging for ball movement. They're begging to stop doing isolation. They think it only happens here. And then I watch it happen in Los Angeles. And it's like, okay. that's hilarious. Because yeah. I get a call last night saying, why are we a team that wants to go isolation ball always at the end of games? So I'm like, yep. because it's the NBA and you see hero ball all the time and you play through your superstars late. It's not just unique to the Clippers. Yep. Obviously, it happens with the Knicks, too. Yes. It not just, I mean, uh, this has been a project of mine now. The, the Cavaliers do it because they have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. The Celtics do it. Now, they, they're able to create more open looks and the, the three-point shooting is so elite that you almost are fine with, with some of the looks that they get from isolation. But like they go Tatum Brown, your turn, my turn, a ton in isolation uh, at the end of games. So I, I was... I was fascinated to see that it also happens in, in Los Angeles, but I do agree. And I, like Ty Lue, like Van Gundy made the, the point last night on the broadcast that Ty Lue called that timeout because he'd like to get more ball movement. But the ironic part is after he calls the timeout, it's a Paul George in isolation, then it's a miss, then it's Kawhi Leonard in isolation after the Giannis turnover, and then it's a miss. And I I I wonder how this matchup is gonna gonna pair out in that the these two teams with somewhat similar offensive philosophies are gonna go at each other. Um, as far as the, what you're expecting going into this game with the Knicks, um, 
do you like is this a must win like you said the clippers are battling for in the in this 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 clog in the middle of the western conference but is a loss like how do you view the knicks as far as an opponent is concerned is this what you're worried about or do you, do you need to go and take care of business against the knicks on the east coast I'm worrying about everybody really at this point, okay. except for maybe like the Rockets or a few teams here and there, the Magic, teams that are really in the doldrums. But the Knicks are quality. They've played much better basketball after getting off to a slow start. You guys have recent wins against Boston, against the Cavaliers. Uh, I think that's going to be tough, especially with Jalen Brunson not being an all-star, and then Charles Barkley coming out and campaigning for him on TNT. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. You guys just lost the Lakers. You want to beat the other team in L.A. maybe. I think it's going to be a really tough ball game for a Clippers team that you just don't know who you're going to get, who's going to show up uh, quarter to quarter and down the stretch of games. I did notice the Knicks are also a slow-plotting team. They play at a much slower pace. So we might get not a throwback to the 90s, not to go that far back, but maybe the score ends up in the, you know, a uh, 105, 103 range, somewhere in there. Yeah. I could see that happening. Look, so, no further than last night, they played the Heat and 106, 104 is the 90s version of like 85, 83, you know? Okay. And the yeah. Clippers lose 106 to 105. You know, yes, their defense you was, <laughs> was pretty good against the Milwaukee Bucks, but offensively, if you're not getting as many possessions, you're not scoring as much out there. So, it could be a throwback in some ways, like 60% of the way there, maybe, <laughs> to yeah. a 90s throwback. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think a, a lot of Knicks fans are curious because we were looking ahead at the schedule and how like we do predictions at the beginning of every, beginning of every week. And the Clipper game obviously scared us because of the, the two-headed monster that you have. But one of the factors in predicting whether the Knicks had a chance to win that game was, well, who's going to play? And so could you give some clarification? As, is there a science is, or, or, or a pattern as to when you can expect either Kawhi or Paul George to play? Okay, well, Kawhi, since coming back from the ACL, has yet to play a back-to-back. Okay. And they're not coming off a back-to-back. And they actually don't have a back-to-back in the month of February. I believe the Clippers had 15 back-to-backs this season, and they've already gone through 13 of them. Uh-huh. So the schedule actually lightens up for them. I would expect both guys to play, but Paul George, on the other hand, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury that had him out where he didn't play in that game against Cleveland as well. And now he has a sore right knee, which he was icing post game. He says he's fine, but it's possible with the way he played down the stretch. He didn't have a lot of pop that he was trying to push through it. And with 27 games left, they've talked about having a sense of urgency and coach Lou has mentioned like, Guys got to practice like we we have to ramp things up regardless of the dings and how much guys are feeling soreness because we're behind the eight ball. We got off to a slow start this season and we only have so much time left to correct this and still try to be a top three seed in the West, which is very possible. The Kings are two and a half games up on them in the three seed. So I do think they're going for it more now. And there's no back-to-backs left on this road trip, as I mentioned. So I would expect them both to play. Uh, If one of them didn't, I would guess at this point, it might be Paul George, just Mm. with what he was dealing with. And something seemed off with him in that game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Interesting. I'm, I'm just looking at the injury report now. John Wall's not playing on Saturday, right? John Wall's been out with abdominal soreness for a couple of weeks, um, but he hasn't been the fit that we had hoped, that change of pace guy. We talk about both these teams playing slower. John Wall was one guy they brought in to make them play faster, and that point guard that they've been trying to find for a while, a more traditional guy, didn't work with John Rondo, and it hasn't worked for the most part with John Wall. I don't really blame him. You know, he played 40 games the last three seasons total coming off the Achilles. He just hasn't looked the same or in rhythm. And it just leads to even more inconsistency out there when you're throwing a player in with not a lot of experience lately next to some guys that, you know, are trying to win a championship this season. So I don't think that's a huge loss for them. But Marcus Morris looks like he'll be playing. He came back against Milwaukee, a former Nick for what half a season. Mm -hmm. He did good things with you guys. (laughs) You got the first round pick out of it because it of it turned into a manual quickly yeah exactly yeah <laughs> he's got some float game that's that's unbelievable yes, yes. <laughs> um yeah that I, I was i was curious how the because we have a derrick rose situation as well so can understand the uh well year one derrick rose was outstanding after they traded for him during the 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 season of open gyms is what we call it. The empty gyms season. Um, then the, uh, they signed him to a three-year deal year one. He gets hurt and has ankle surgery year two, which is this year he comes back and just 
I don't want to like, I, I hate commenting on certain players when it's clear they've lost certain athletic ability, yeah. but washed would be somewhat of an accurate word to describe him. We were talking about the, the heat and how they could get Kyrie. And it's like, we'll trade Kyle Lowry. And it's like, if you just take the salaries away, what's the difference between Kyle Lowry and Derek Rose? And it sounds from what you're telling me that John Wall could also be a similar situation where the the expectation of what he might have left is not there and maybe maybe it, it, that's why the clippers might go hunting for a point guard or or an upgrade at that spot I think part of it with them is just fit because he does have a ton of burst. Mm-hmm. You see it at times and you're in the game in Washington, you know, he's back home playing in front of those fans for the first time because he wasn't able to go there, I guess, when he was with the Rockets and play in front of them. And it was a big deal. And people were saying, wow, John Wall still looks so good. A guy they saw for years play at a high level, you know, five time all star level. They thought, you know, he looks 85% of what he was, and that's pretty damn fast still. <laughs> so at times, he still looks like the fastest player on the court. It's just he's playing at a tempo that nobody really else is with the Clippers, and just the mesh, the fit hasn't quite been there. But it's still early. We'll yeah. see. So it's less about ability and it's more about fit. That's interesting. I, I Okay, so maybe... I, I would say he's less washed, especially yeah. when compared to Kyle Lowry, who hasn't looked great. But, you know... A change of scenery can do a lot for a player in a situation like that. And if the Clippers made a move for him or Mm -hmm. Mike Conley, and all of a sudden those guys who are older get to play less minutes, Mm -hmm. they can kind of ramp up their intensity in the limited amount of minutes they play and throw it back to their primes more often. So I wouldn't be that shocked if I saw a guy. That leads to one of my final two questions, (laughs) because I wanted to know what the deadline expectations are in Clipper Nation. Is there a name in particular that Clipper fans are circling? Like in New York, it's OG Ananobi or it's uh, something for Cam Reddish. Um, They're basically trying to upgrade a backup wing spot. Honestly, at this point, the way Obi Toppin has been used, it's send him somewhere to be used more correctly. Like mm. we we accepted it's not going to happen under Tibbs, so let's send him somewhere where it's going to happen someplace else. But as far as uh, upgrades for the Clippers are concerned, what is uh, what does the fan base want? I guess as far as you're concerned, what are you looking for? You know, a lot of people are having some seller's remorse or buyer's remorse from the Knicks side of Isaiah Hartenstein going Ah, to you guys. That is somebody who is coveted by the Clippers still. The deal was they just couldn't pay him what you guys did. Mm -hmm. They only had the $6 million uh, taxpayer mid-level exception that they used on John Wall. He gets, what, $8 million per year with you guys. So they couldn't afford him. But in a trade situation, I don't know. I see he's not being used for heavy minutes here and there. I know Mitchell's no, having a big year no. for you guys. Well, so that's the thing. Mitchell Robinson's out for he's been out for the last couple of weeks. And it's it's weird. Hartenstein didn't become the starter. But Jericho Sims, the, the 58th pick in the draft. God bless Walt Perrin, the Knicks like lead head of scouting found a, a starting caliber center, or at least a playable center with the 58th pick in the draft. He leapfrogged Hartenstein and became a starting center for some reason. And like kudos to Hartenstein, who was just, it was partly the way he was being used and partly just, he was playing poorly since Mitch went out. It's been the last four or five games. He's elevated his game. He's been a beast on the defensive re- defensive boards, the offensive boards. He's not a net, not net negative on defense anymore. 
And so now you're starting to see, I, I doubt he is as available as he might have been a week and a half ago. Having said that, at least up to stock. <laughs> like that, he's up to stock. And if potentially if the Knicks were to move on, I wouldn't be shocked if the Clippers, like that's the team that we heard. And it's funny. There, there's been a lot of back and forth in our fan base that it, it's the way Tibbs is using people. He does, he has one way he knows how to use certain players and can't be flexible. And there is a lot of truth to that. And it's why I think Hartenstein has not been as successful in New York as one might like him to be. Having said that, it's, it's interesting to hear that there's some, like you said, some buyer's remorse about losing Isaiah Hartenstein from the Clipper side of things. I, there was nothing really they could do about it unless it was maybe he would have taken less to stay with the Clippers and they didn't value him as much, but who knows? He got more money. I'm happy for him. I'm a big fan of his game, uh, but the Clippers do need a backup center. I think if there's one lock this trade season, it's going to be the Clippers find somebody because they've had Moses Brown at a UCLA. He's only 22. He's just not that seasoned. And while he's a big body at seven, four, you know, he can run up and down the floor, but it's usually in a straight line. He just doesn't have <laughs> the high level skill you'd want from a backup center because Avisa Zubats is having a very good season for them. But then he fouls out last night against the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, and they've been going small. And while sometimes that works really well for this team and pe- and fans want to see more of that, it would still be nice, especially in the West, when you know you might have to go through Nikola Jokic to have a more reliable season backup center. And I think they're going to find one some way, somehow. It could still be uh, Dwight Howard. You coming back from uh, <laughs> is he in China or in Europe? <laughs> he's, he's overseas. I know that much. Yeah. Look, I think Derek Favors is still a free agent. I think Hassan Whiteside is still a free agent. Mm. Uh, maybe they try to make a deal. I know Nerlens Noel, his name has come up in Detroit now. Former Nick, and former Nick, I've been a yeah. fan of his for a while. I've always felt like he's a little bit underrated or undervalued with uh, his contract and what happened with Clutch and all that. <laughs> but uh, so they're looking for somebody to back up Big Zoo. But also, we talk about the traditional point guard position. I would not be shocked if, especially after what happened the other night with them not being able to execute down the stretch and really get. Kawhi and Paul George to their sweet spots without them having to do everything offensively, which may have taxed them to lead them to go 0 of 8 in the last four minutes, that they find a veteran point guard. Lowry, Mike Conley, Fred Van Vliet also played with Kawhi Leonard, and it sounds like he could be available. I don't know if the asking price is too steep and they'll try to get Terrence Mann from the Clippers, and they wouldn't want to do that. But I could see they have a 2028 first-round pick, you know, Luke Kennard's name has been brought up. He didn't play last night. Um, and they have enough guys that are talented enough and at least two salaries are going to expire soon. Maybe Reggie Jackson, even though he's a fan favorite. That's somebody, Fred Van Bleed, I know he's not having a great year, but he's still only 28. The issue is he's going to be a free agent. Are you going to want to pay him that money? He thinks he's worth $30 million. But if you're the Clippers, I do think they're one of those teams that really has to kind of go all in because with Kawhi looking this good and this much like himself and just how he was playing in 2021, you have a chance against anyone in a seven-game series. You have to take advantage of that window because he and Paul George – are unlikely to get healthier as they get older, you know? <laughs> is that is that a consternation from the fan base as well? That like it, it this year has to be the year? I think a lot of people feel like this experiment with the two one three connection, if it doesn't work out now in year four, because the expectations were so high coming into it, that some big change has to be made. Mm. Whether that's with 
one of them, and I find that pretty unlikely, or just finding a third piece. And Norm Powell's been very good at as that guy, but finding just more high-level talent to put next to them. We always talk about they don't have a lot of athleticism. They don't have a lot of pop. They look like an older team many nights. Now, some of that can work in the playoffs. I do think they're a roster that's better in a playoff series than getting through the regular season because they're older. But I think this season, I think what what happens in the next month or so and leading into the playoffs, I, I do think it it could change the trajectory of the franchise based upon how this shakes out. Yeah, the look from from an outsider looking in, I I think I had them either I don't think I had them coming out of the West, but I I definitely was like, yeah, they're one of the teams that could win the win the finals this year. We, we when we were doing our like power rankings at the beginning of the season, I, I believe they were top six or seven, just because of the unknown of like yeah, the the best version of this team wins the title. Um, and look, it, it's still in play, especially it, and the deadline is going to determine a lot of that. You're right. Um, and look, I don't know how you feel, but we're again, we're hours removed from the announcement. The Kyrie announcement changes everything because you're right. It was is Van Vliet available? Is Ananobi available? Which Raptor gets traded? Do the Bulls blow it up? Now there's another team with pieces. Should they decide to go that route? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. To, interesting to see. Um, last question, and, and you've been great with your time. I really appreciate it. I, I know you can't fully explain the dynamic in the amount of time I'm going to ask you. Okay. But like as a Mets fan, I understand being the second team in the city. And while like New York can become a Nick, a, a Mets city, like the eighties was literally a Mets town when they had like Daryl strawberry and doc Gooden and all of them. I'm curious your perspective. I'm, I'm apologies of making an assumption, but again, Clippers pre and, pre half and post and then a Clippers podcast, you're a Clippers fan. So as a Clippers fan, the dynamic being a fan in like Laker land, what, uh, like how, how does that work? And what is it like, you know, knowing that like, no matter what, it's still a Laker city, if that is the correct assumption. Well, remember early on in this podcast, when you talked about little brother being the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> yes. well, there's a lot of that that comes from Lakers fans all the time who, okay. Uh, hypocritically often say the Clippers don't matter while talking about the Clippers quite a lot whenever they fail. So there's, even though the Clippers have won 10 straight against them and they've won 35, the last 42 meetings, the Lakers won the bubble championship in 2020, the same one that the Clippers were trying to win. And they blew a three, one lead to the Denver Nuggets who the Lakers went on to beat. So for the Clippers to really get more of a foothold in this city, and for it not to be, I don't know if it's, you know, for every 95 Lakers fans, it's five Clippers fans or something like that. But it's not just you're competing and you understand this. You're competing with a team that's more popular than you. You're competing with one of the most popular brands in the history of sports. Yep. One of the most legendary teams ever. So it makes it even more difficult. And then the Clippers didn't have success for so long and then started to in the Lob City era with Paul, with um, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. And they've won. They've had a winning season the last 11 straight seasons. That's the longest run in the NBA right now. 
But you got to win big in L.A. to steal some of the market away from the Lakers. That's what they're trying to do. It's going to help that they're going to have their own arena finally in 2024. And it's going to be, you know, the craziest eighth wonder of the world to best place ever to watch a basketball game at because Steve Ballmer has done amazing things for this team in this city. But I think the plan was you got to win a championship heading in there. You know, that's why they brought in Kawhi and Paul George and traded SGA and five picks. It was not to compete. It was to eventually win their first ring, their first Larry OB as Kawhi would say. So to compete with the Lakers on that level, as they talk about all the time, rings, banners, <laughs> you know, it, you're always going to hear that stuff. And look, when the Clippers win their first, cool, we got 17 of them or whatever. It is. Believe me, as the Mets were making their run this year, I was reminded by every Yankee fan that knew how to count to 27, where the pecking order would still remain. Yeah, the, you know? They have those arguments ready. They have it ammoed up. They know mm-hmm. where to move the goalposts, but it would still offer a lot of credibility uh, for the Clippers brand as a whole, just to get that first one. And to do so with this team, I think would be special because, you know, it'd be Kawhi's, you know, third championship with three different teams. It puts him into a different stratosphere of a player and he's already top 75 all time. So to get that level of attention your way, you got to win that championship. And if you're going to take any of the attention away from the Lakers who, you know, even when they're losing, there's drama and Lakers Kardashian style or whatever it is, they get so much publicity mm-hmm. their way. And I think the Clippers, they don't mind some of it, but yeah, they do want to get a stronger foothold in this city. And I think will over time. Yeah. The the conversation I had with uh, a Nets fan a little over a week ago when the Knicks played the Nets was, a similar understanding that like the only difference I think between like the Knicks nets and the Laker Clipper dynamic is like, like you said, the Lakers have the rich history and the popular brand. The Knicks have the popular brand do not have that much winning in their history. It's like a run in the nineties to mixed in with the Lakers Celtics rivals, a rivalry in the the late sixties, early seventies. And that's it. Um, So there's there's the lack of winning, but you still get the popularity of the brand and the garden and, and all that stuff. Basketball um, mecca, right? Like it, it's the mecca when everybody loves to go play there, except they don't want to actually go play for the team that plays there. So, <laughs> um, listen, I'm glad. Like as just personally as a Knicks fan, the conversation owner and face recognition software aside has really become about the on court product. Lately, and it's less about who can we get to come here. And it's like, well, will Tibbs stop playing so much drop coverage? Like, it's now actually about X's and O's. And mm. look, the, the, more to the conversation with the about the Knicks Nets dynamic, which I'm sure you're familiar with. It's impossible not to take the Nets seriously anymore. Like the Nets were New Jersey's team up until like eight years ago, you know. So I guess at this point, ten years ago. Um, and then they came here, and it was like, okay, like. This is still very much a Knicks town. 2019, when Katie and Kyrie decided to go there, which I'm sure you understand this, when Kawhi and Paul George then came to the Clippers, you had to take, if you want to call them little brother, fine. You still had to now take them seriously. And like you said, if one title and who knows what that does to the next generation of basketball fans that are looking to decide what team they're going to eventually, you know, start rooting for. Um, You got to get them young, but you're right. Both those franchises becoming destination franchises in the same year. That's transformative. That changes everything. 
Bingo. Bingo. Um, Adam, you've been great. I I, I wish Thanks you for me. I don't wish you luck in the game tomorrow <laughs> night, but in, in your the pod and with professionally and just like personally, you seem like a nice guy. I wish you the best of luck and a great weekend. Um, can you tell everybody where they could find all the stuff that you do um on the internet? At follow Adam A is pretty much my hub that connects to everything else. If you go there, if you sub, not subscribe, I'm, I'm not charging anything. I think uh, Twitter may be, but I'm not. <laughs> if you follow me there, uh, you can find all the other podcasts I do with Clips and Dip and then the Clippers Talk podcast that we post up uh, after the post game show is done after each and every Clippers game, including the one. Saturday in the Mecca of basketball in the Madison Mecca. Square Garden. There you Let's go. go. Let's go. Uh, Adam, thank you so much, my man. This was great. Andrew, thanks for having me, man. Once again, big thank you to Adam for coming on today's pod to help me preview the next matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers. Please go subscribe to Clips and Dip. It, even if you just go give a five-star rating and a review and say that you enjoy the name as much as Claudio does, I would just I'd greatly appreciate it. I, I I appreciate again when people know how to name their podcast. I love the name Nick's Film School. There are, in my opinion, are some great names out there as well around the Knicks. Um, Hard Nick's Life being one of them. I I think that the creativity is is flowing, and it, I, I think Clips and Dip is an example of that. So shout out to Adam. Thank you for the conversation. The Knicks take on the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday night at 6 p.m. at Madison Square Garden. John will be reacting after the game on the KFS YouTube channel and all platforms in which we're able to go live, hopefully to a W. Who knows if Jalen Brunson is going to play? I still have no idea why he missed the last game. Uh, and while they did beat the Heat without Jalen Brunson, I would not like to continue with this experiment of how many games can they win without Jalen Brunson, because I don't think it's going to be very many. Um, I know they will have fewer turnovers than they did the last game if Jalen Brunson plays, but I digress. Saturday night, 6 p.m. Hope you enjoy the game. That'll do it for me. If you head on over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review, I'd greatly appreciate it. I'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode previewing the 76ers game with one of the more famous 76ers fans. That's fame might not be the word because it's the niche NBA podcasting about one team fame, but he's still pretty important in our industry and what we're trying to do. Um, If you've read the book tanking to the top, or if you've ever obsessed over the draft rights of a Puerto Rican basketball player, you've probably heard of this person. And I think you're going to enjoy our conversation. It'll be again, Sunday morning, midnight. Um, You'll be able to hear me talk with uh, our guest, And that's, that's the, biggest tease I can give. I hope you enjoy it. Until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy your weekends and I'll speak with you soon. Peace.